Hello, and welcome to ASMR Tirar de Huello. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, with the incident of the beast from his childhood behind him, Dr. Andrew Michaels needs to learn more. Are encounters such as these occurring with greater frequency? Or are we simply more aware and more watchful than before? Hello and welcome. I have a story today that's hard for me to talk about. I was recovering in the hospital from injuries I sustained. I was struck by a paranormal creature. He was called the dead farmer. I had a team of soldiers, bodyguards, whatever you want to call them, a strike team with me. Luckily, every single member of our team walked away without a single injury, except me. We were led there by someone in my past who had experienced a paranormal encounter with the dead farmer in the early 1980s. He was older than me by about 10 years, so it was interesting to see him again in my 50s and touch base with somebody from so far in my past. We had a mutual connection because we both went to the same summer camp, and we had completely fond memories of it. We looked up to this man as uh, an adult, but still he had the heart of a child running around, taking care of the horses, just being an all-around great person. It was interesting to, like I said, touch base, catch up, talk about our lives. He went on to other studies, other adventures, after leaving the camp. I found it strange that he seemed to know more about the dead farmer than I did, but of course he researched it more being a victim of this supernatural creature so many years ago, so many unanswered questions for himself that he investigated quite thoroughly for quite a long time, and because of this I was very interested in his research. The thing was, after the encounter, as they were loading me onto the hospital, um, or on into the ambulance on the way to the hospital, he vanished. He vanished into the night. I put out word to have him call me, and he never returned my messages. In the age of the Internet, it's 
complete baloney if you haven't heard or seen my texts, my Facebook messages, my Twitter messages, my phone calls, my emails. <laughs> we just killed a six foot nine creature that took on an the police force of a local town a military team and they barely stopped it it seemed like it went and ended quickly but in other ways it was really dicey for a few seconds because if it hadn't gone the way it did there would have been a massive amount of injuries possibly people would have been murdered and the creature would have walked away. So what did we encounter, and why is my mysterious friend from the past so silent now? As soon as I could get up from my hospital bed, I remember standing up that first time. Oh my goodness, the rush of blood to my brain as I tried to stand up and how off-center I was and had no balance. They made me use a walker, which was fine with me. Anything, get that catheter out of me. Let me just go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's funny how things become so important in life when you can't do them properly. I have to say, as I was stumbling around on that walker, and then said, I think I can do it with just a cane. I can walk with a cane. I surprised the staff at the hospital. I was more bruised than broken, but I was bruised. From head to foot, I had cuts and bruises all over my body. They thought I was in a car wreck when I was only struck once, thrown like a rag doll. I still can't believe I stood up after being hit that hard. But I did, because you always have to get up. The adrenaline's there, the energy's there, the stiffness and the swelling and the soreness haven't set in yet. You can get up. And I got up, and I got us to safety, and got myself to safety. You can get up, and you must always remember that. The first thing I did was I wanted my cell phone, and I wanted to go somewhere where I could get a hold of a computer. I found the closest computer, and I used my identification and my rank and my pull with the Department of Navy to cause all kinds of problems at the hospital until finally I was in an administrator's office with a internet connection that was private enough I could get out of that hospital and into the world of my mind and try to contact this person who was avoiding me now. It didn't take long for me to make contact. I can be quite persuasive when I want to be. And my phone rang. 
It was that voice from the past, and there's trepidation and fear in his voice. He said, uh, ask me all the questions you want now, because when I hang up, I'm not calling you back, and I won't contact you again. I wasn't going to establish contact with you unless I knew I was specifically talking to you. But I'm going to end contact with you electronically as soon as this conversation ends. And when we're done with this conversation, you'll understand why. I asked him, first of all, the shadow. Yes, he said, the shadow. The shadow didn't go away from him. There were shadows cast from him, from the light of the burning tree. The tree was burning so bright that all of us were casting strong shadows away from the fire, away from the tree. Yet the creature, engulfed in flames like it was, shouldn't have even had a shadow, at least not a normal one. Yet it cast a shadow towards the tree. It was bound to the tree like a ghost, like a spirit of old, bound to a cursed item. And he agreed with me on that, but he said it's not the same. When you excavate the tree, you'll find the corpse of an evil person who was killed by the townspeople and buried in an unmarked grave. A tree was planted on him to mark the spot. His evil, the essence of him, whatever he was, blended with some thing, this shadowy nature that's in the world, this evil that we can't see, this dark matter of the supernatural all around us, and it blended with the essence that was left of his great evil, an evil that doesn't want to die. Emotions like love, passion, hope, and evil and hatred. These things don't die so easily. When you look at your loved ones, you you have a burning love, devotion, and passion, and desire to see them safe. Think about it. You have relatives that died many, many years ago, yet they're still in the forethought of your mind. They're still literally alive in your mind. It's like you can see them like it was yesterday, like it was today. Sometimes I forget, and I'm not making this up, that someone has died. I keep thinking how wonderful it would be to see them again, to touch them, to hold their hand, to talk to them, to hear them laugh. And I have to remind myself that this person that I'm thinking of has been dead for a long time. It's just part of the human experience. You daydream, you dream at night, you enter another world, some strange pseudo-consciousness, this subconscious world. And once in a while you see these creatures trying to infiltrate our subconscious, trying to s infiltrate our dreams, to take power from us, to steal and rob our emotions. These are the shadow people that live amongst us. 
when they haven't possessed a creature like this evil dead farmer an evil from 200 years ago still alive in our modern day they extend the life of this evil creature you shoot it with a gun you stab it with a knife you punch it with your fist and it's not harming it because it's not really there it's a manifestation of your emotional desire to physically see the evil the corruption of the world around you the world itself is not an evil place it's not a cursed place it's not a corrupt place of nature nature is ever cleansing ever cleaning ever renewing ever chaotic and only order comes from the life that tries so hard to hold a grasp into the ground life that tries to cling to this rock and avoid death we are on an oasis in the universe amongst a dark dark universe around us a spinning globe of blue water and warm beautiful days the sun bringing life to us but there is another side a darkness to creation a darkness to our world things that lived long long before the light that coalesced on the disks of planets an aberration of life that predates us predates our existence it's been said many times we think we rule the planet yet this planet is ancient and old and it was ruled long long before we ever climbed out of the trees and these shadow creatures exist in the darkness in the subterranean caves of our minds they sponge off our emotions and once in a while an emotional person is so laser focused so strongly overcome and obsessed with a certain emotion love hate anger that it overtakes their lives they become obsessed beyond belief and hyper focused on that emotional need to feed that emotion to satisfy it to satiate the hunger that is driving in their mouth they salivate over pleasing and appeasing the hunger that this emotion has corrupted in their soul and in those moments the shadow creatures smelling this smelling it like a Thanksgiving Day turkey laid out before them they come and they enter your consciousness 
you've allowed them access to the conscious reality, the world we perceive the universe as. No more hidden in the shadows, in the darkness, in the black of night, in the black of dreams, in the darkness of black and white shadows that are our dreams. No. You allow them access to your winking eyes. And they surround this emotional hunger and they feed into it. They squeeze it. They lap up the juices of your anger, your frustrations, your hatreds. And they fan those flames. They fan them, give oxygen to this emotional anger, this obsession, and feed it into a forest fire in your psyche. They keep you overcome with this rage, and it builds, and it stretches you out. It stretches a link of your soul between reality and the dream state, the dream world. And this stretching of the soul of the life of a human being is how these great evils last far past the lifespan of a normal human being. I listened intently to my friend over the phone and found everything he said quite strange and shocking. I had known of some of this legend, some of this story in the past. We call them demons. We call them jinn. We call them dream monsters, wicked dwarves, witches, devils in our thoughts, but he was putting it out there that they are a real thing, a shadowy people. We perceive them as humanoid because that's what we are. We see them as we wish to see them, but they are formless, shapeless entities with no life left in them, only stealing bits of life and emotion from the living. Hunger is their only true attribute. Hunger is what they long to fill and they desire and I thought about what he said and I said well, do you have examples of this beyond this dead farmer and he said I don't have examples of this beyond the dead farmer but you do the character in your custody you call stretch is somebody who experimented with chemicals, chemistry, in the 19th century. In the late 1890s, he corrupted his body, turning himself into a creature of evil. And he pleased and pleasured himself, becoming a peeping Tom. And it was evil without end. He's over a hundred and eighty years old. 
and he looks like a man of his thirties. You have him in your custody right now. I believe he's even tried to communicate with you mentally. I believe he's even tried to connect with you to corrupt your mind, to break down your subconscious and allow you to be corrupted by evil. Speaking of evil, you have John Wayne Gacy and Jeffrey Dahmer in your custody, along with a couple other serial killers. You captured them when they jumped from body to body, their souls refusing to die, their lifespans expanding past the human norm, corrupting the lives of others around them. How do you think they're doing this? How do you think this great evil stays alive on this planet without the aid of some energy source, some infinite pool of, of unlimited power that keeps their dark, evil ways alive? The saints, even Jesus Christ himself, live forever, we tell because they are filled with light. They are filled with this never-ending pool of light and energy. Is it possible that in our reality today, it is a dark pool that actually manifests and feeds the evil around us? I'm not discounting that creatures live forever in a state of heaven, nirvana, whatever you want perceive it in. But if you believe in this light, this never-ending place of happiness and joy, where hope and love live on forever, as they do in your mind's eye, as we've discussed earlier, isn't it quite possible that the opposite exists as well? That great evil, the blood of the innocent bleeding into the ground, would draw these creatures through the earth. They can't travel amongst us in the open, in the light of day, but they travel in the ground, through the rocks, through the dirt. They crawl and they struggle to reach these spots of great evil and absorb all the energy that is left behind from acts of great crime and criminality. There are places where not a field of lilies could grow, where they have saturated the ground with their evil to the point where nothing will grow. There are places on this earth that humans shouldn't be at, shouldn't go to, shouldn't stay for long, and these places are full of their evil, entwining themselves up into the branches of a hanging tree or a cursed ship's wood bough or even in the metal fibers of a rocket ship that crashed and no one survived. They spoon and sponge all of those horrible, angry emotions up 
lapping them up like a dog licking a bowl of gravy. And this is what the shadow people are. And you can see them in the light. In a bright enough light, the light pulls them towards it. They can't live in the sun. The sun will kill them, pull them out of the ground. If they don't stay deep enough, pull them out of living things like trees, people, animals. They have to cling to the darkness of the night. They have to hide in the deepest, darkest trunks of trees. They're evil deep in the root system of the ancient, most oldest of growth. And in animals, they must be nocturnal, forever a creature of the night. Your vampires, your werewolves, your ghosts, they only come out at night. And there's a reason for this. The bright flashes of your camera that catch glimpses of these evil creatures in tiny little captured moments on film occur because they have to run from you. They have to escape the light from your discovery. What you saw stretching out of the dead farmer was one of these creatures, and inadvertently burning him and the tree to the ground, ripping the tree up by its roots, destroying and pulverizing the remnants of the skeleton wrapped in the tree roots. What you're doing you killed one of them. And I promise you, and I assure you, Dr. Andrew Michaels, they do walk among us. They know that you and I know about them. You've got to stop them. They've corrupted many creatures on this planet. You've got to stop them, now that you know. And I'm sorry I can't be more help, but I lived my life always second-guessing everything I did that day back in the 1980s at that beautiful little summer camp that I called my home. And I realized that whole time I was there, one of the greatest evils in existence was a few steps behind me in the woods. And I've never gotten over living in that fear. It took me 30 years to seek out people like you and put a stop to it. I want to live my life now. What's left of my life I want to live with the freedom and the knowledge that I put this evil to bed. I'll send you all the data I have. 
and then we will never speak again. They may find me, and they may kill me, but I'm going to do my best to stay in the shadows myself, away from them. And I'm hoping the war you are about to launch on them, Dr. Andrew Michaels, will keep them busy enough that they'll forget about me. I just want to live a few years of my life. Not in fear. I told him I understood and I was going to let him go and I appreciated his information that he was sending me. And then I told him one more thing. I understand it took you a long time to get over this fear. I live in a world where I'm exposed to things every day. I can't shut it out. I can't turn it off. I can't pretend things aren't happening. And I can't pretend people aren't in need and need our protection. I have a healthy dose of fear and I always have my whole life. And fear is what keeps me sharp, keeps my eyes on the target keeps my hand at the ready, keeps my mind focused on the prize ahead. And you can say it a million different ways, but I don't choose to live in that fear, and you shouldn't either. I choose to acknowledge it and see it for what it is, but I choose not to live in fear. I'm not some grand, pompous person saying that I am fearless and I am above it. No, no, I'm right down in it. And there it is in front of me. But those things that are in that cesspool of fear, when they look out into my world, cause their evils and do their destructive ways, what they see are people like me and others like me. They see us and they see us staring right back at them. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. Please take a moment to share, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash tirar de huello. The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardehuello at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.